Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to get the pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say, get the pancake delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to getthepancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter by going to getthepancake.com. There's a sign up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. Hi coaches, this is Whitney Bartuk with the Get the Pancake podcast, a podcast for volleyball coaches. On this week's episode, I have an incredible guest who is on a mission to share her love of volleyball. Lindsay Napella Berg is a former Olympic and professional volleyball athlete born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Lindsay played volleyball for the University of Minnesota and in three Olympic Games for the U.S. national team, winning two Olympic silver medals. She's currently building a platform, the Quare Project, to share, educate, and inspire. She's focusing on female volleyball athletes to provide a positive resource for those coming up in the sport. She is on a mission to inspire young girls by sharing the stories of the women on the U.S. women's national team, and she's going to expand that in the future. In today's episode, you'll learn more about her and her own experiences as a player, plus hear about how she's planning to spread her love of volleyball with parents, coaches, and most importantly, young girls who are looking for role models in their sport. I highly encourage you to listen to this episode with your daughter and to share it with players. After you listen to this episode, I guarantee you're going to want to follow Lindsay on Instagram, YouTube, and go and check out her website as well. All of those links are going to be in the description, so as soon as this episode's over, be sure to follow them and go check her out. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Lindsay Berg, thank you so much for joining me today on the Get the Pancake podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Well, I have to tell you, I am thrilled to speak with you today and to share your mission with my listeners. So I started following you on Instagram back in July. I saw this really cool post that you made. Um, it was actually, I went back and checked. It was a picture of Tori Dixon. She was kissing a trophy and you know the photo caught my attention. I'm always looking at volleyball posts, but your caption, it gave a lot of information just about who she was and what she meant to the team and it was kind of one of those posts that just make you go like who is this person I need to be following them <laughs> um, so I've been following you and I just recently decided like okay what is this all about I need to go and check out this website and I have to say I was floored when I saw your website and I learned about your mission I just I think it's incredible can you give us a quick introduction to what this project is and what you're trying to accomplish? Sure. Well, thank you. I always, um, it's always nice to hear compliments on something 
that you've worked so hard on. And this is something that I have pretty much put um, all my life recently into and all my passion as I did while I was a player playing volleyball. So in general, um, it is called the Core Project for people that don't know about it. I almost quit volleyball after my first Olympic great contract offer to go play professional. And I took it because I was like, I can't fall out of love with my first love, which was volleyball and how much time I'd given it to what the sport had given me. So I'm like, let me give it one more chance. Went to Italy, gained all my love back, was able to play with passion and heart again, stayed there for seven seasons. And that's why just the word core heart and playing con core with heart and doing everything you do in life with heart uh, means a lot to me. So this is definitely a passion project and I am putting all of my heart and soul into it because it means a lot to me. And that's why I just stuck with it uh, to have the name be that, be very genuine to me and authentic to me, even a foreign word. And it might be difficult for people to pronounce, but also might cause a question of what is this, which I want. That's, so that's, that's what, what drew me in. I was yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. So that's what the Quarter Project is um, or what the name of the project is, I shall say. And what is this project? Well, as I was a player growing up in Hawaii, I didn't know who was on the Olympic team, didn't know who to really look up to other than the women on the University of Hawaii, which uh, is a great place to grow up and play volleyball. And I feel that has been a problem throughout even my whole career where young athletes, young volleyball players didn't know who I was when I played in my three Olympics, didn't know my teammates. And I just think there's so many of us that are incredible role models, inspirational, potentially mentors for all of these young girls slash women playing volleyball out there. Mm -hmm. And I want to change it. There's so many stories right now. I'm concentrating on the women that have the chance to make this next Olympics, just so all of these young girls can see their faces while they play in the next Olympics, but have seen their faces before through my project, seeing what they're about what they'd love to do outside of volleyball, how they went to college, what that process was like, almost everything you can think of. So they feel this connection when they see them in Tokyo 2020 playing on the court. So in general, it's to educate and inspire all of these young volleyball players out there. And that's really the mission of the project. I love it. Once I started following you and started seeing your videos, Again, you're on Instagram, but you also have YouTube. We'll include all the links in the show description, and I'll also have it all on getthepancake.com. But I've been watching your stuff, like I said, since July, and I recently learned that Kim Hill is from Portland, and I'm from the Portland area, and I was just blown away that there was an Olympian, a women's national team player who grew up 30 minutes away from me right around the same time that I was playing in high school and I didn't know about it. And so like, it's so cool for me now to watch and see her and kind of identify with her. I think that that's something that's really admirable about what you're doing because you're kind of giving everyone the story so that everyone can kind of pick how they're related or how they're connected to all of these players and get to know them and feel more invested in their career rather than just watching the Olympics every four years. 
For sure. And that definitely right there, that example is the point of this. Um, All of these women or all of us past Olympians or even non-Olympians, which I will get to for sure next year after the Olympics, Mm -hmm. everyone has a story and everyone can relate in some different way of someone's story. And I want all of these young athletes out there to understand that like anyone really can accomplish what they want to accomplish. You don't have to be from Southern California to do it. You don't have to be 6'2 to do it. You All of these different things. And by sharing all of these different stories, I believe that it will inspire and motivate young athletes to really believe in themselves and know that if they work hard and if they're really committed, that that one day could be them as well. I like that you bring up, you know, not everyone has to be from Southern California or 6'2". Can you tell us a little bit about your story? I know you're not quite 6'2". And can you tell us about your process, how you got recruited, and maybe what challenges you faced because of your size? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Fortunately, like I said, I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is a huge volleyball state. And my father was also a coach. So I grew up playing very early in life and developed the skills and just loved it and played and played and played. But I was barely 5'8". So in Hawaii, sure, that height is fine. (laughs) For high school, it was fine. Mm -hmm. For club volleyball, it was fine. Um, But as I started getting recruited, everyone knew my skills were great. Everyone loved my passion and like my fight and my intensity. But there was always a question of, my body type, which didn't only include my height, I was thicker set, which visually then normal people think, oh, she might be slow. Mm -hmm. She might not jump as high. I didn't have what everyone wanted the typical body type for a volleyball player. Um, I didn't have that. So It was a struggle always of during the recruiting process if that coach was going to believe in me, believe my skills, believe my intelligence in the game and want that on their team. So my recruiting Mm -hmm. process was pretty interesting. I definitely had a lot of teams and a lot of universities interested in me and some when it came down to the end, they chose someone over me or I wasn't ready to commit very early because I wanted to see the school, know where I was going. And even Mm -hmm. back then. It was also a later process than it is now days. Right. So I I waited a pretty long time and some of my schools, you know, cut me off the list because I was waiting and Mm -hmm. this and that. It was actually a very frustrating process for me looking back (laughs) at it, but it was always coming down to often of me having to prove myself as being barely 5'8", being thicker set, not jumping as high as they possibly wanted me to, this and that. And it was a struggle. And I had to go to a college that, you know, my keyboard really believed in me mm-hmm. and it definitely wasn't say my first choice. It definitely wasn't, I didn't even know that it was a choice initially, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't plan on going that far or to the mm-hmm. Midwest or to the opposite weather of where I grew up. Yeah. But it's very I, different. <laughs> I, yeah. It took a leap and I wanted to I wanted to be a part of a program that I could help grow and with someone that truly believed in me. And I know that he did. And at the end of the day, looking back, obviously college wasn't like the best years of my life, but I think I would be the player or the person I am today without challenging myself in those different aspects of life. 
So that was definitely a, a big positive for me. Um, the people keen that they didn't believe in me didn't stop as well. It continued through the Olympic team, um, continued the bullying started on Volley Talk during my first Olympics. So people not believing I made the team and just a lot of um, conversations about my physical appearance mm-hmm. that I had to deal with throughout my whole career, even up to my last Olympic I made three Olympics, the volleyball world still was questioning why I was ever on the Olympic team. So I think it's really a place where you have to have your support group and really believe in yourself. And I know that this day and age, it's even worse out there with Mm -hmm. the social media that was not around Mm -hmm. when I was playing. And I really hope that this project can help young athletes get through those difficult times as well. As I talk about bullying in it, I talk about Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And I really hope that no one will have to go through what I went through. Well, I think it's, honestly, it's just so bizarre to me. And yet I, I can totally see it happening that people would be essentially bullying an Olympian saying, what are you doing there? Like, clearly your skill level is so high how is it possible that there are still people who are you know sitting on the couch at home willing to belittle you and put you down just because of how your body is shaped Um, I think that's a really important message to coaches not to get too off topic here but I am in a couple of coaching Facebook groups and I recently read that someone was sharing that they're their head coach in their program was shaming players um, and flat out just calling them fat and talking about how they need to eat better. And that is just not the way to go. Um, There's, I mean, eating disorders, let alone um, mental health issues and really just low self-esteem that we need to be thinking about when we're talking to our athletes. And just because our athletes aren't built in a certain way, doesn't mean that they're not athletic. So I'm so happy. And I really hope that if there are players out there who end up listening to this or coaches who want to pass this on to their players who maybe aren't, you know, the, the string bean um, on the team, you know, what many people would have called in the old days, I guess, the typical volleyball player. But if you don't look like that, that's okay. Like they have you to look up to and there are a ton of other athletes as well but I'm glad that you're talking about that and also how it impacted your recruiting process because I think there are just so many coaches who need to kind of open their eyes and look more at talent and skill and passion rather than what does this person look like and think about athletic ability versus looks so thank you for talking about that I'm hoping that kind of gets a couple coaches and athletes thinking about how they're speaking um, to each other. Yeah, for sure. And I also think there is a way to address these things, but also in a way of educating. Yes, there is a better way to eat in life. Yes, Mm -hmm. there is a better way to work out in life, but let's educate. Let's talk about this instead of shaming them. Let's Mm -hmm. just all try to be better. So I asked the national team girls uh, a lot about, their eating regimens, their workout, their recovery, all of these things in hopes that it will educate young women, young girls, either one, um, 
coming from people that have gone through it already. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can talk to your parents as much as you want to, or your coaches, but sometimes you also want to hear it from someone that, you know, actually went through it. Right. And the exact same things. And that's why I think this project is really special because these women have given me full access to them because they know my background Mm -hmm. and of everything they've gone through. And I just don't think it's out there enough. I don't think they're visible enough to all of these young volleyball players. And I'm really trying to change that. Well, I love what you're doing. I wanted to kind of go back. You mentioned in your early career when you just started playing that you were coached by your dad. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Of course, my dad is the best. I, <laughs> it's even hard explaining how amazing he is. And I do think that he did a really, really good job of coaching my sister and I and just us growing up in a volleyball family and not, um, you know, being putting too much pressure on us or wanting making us play or giving us a feeling of we're overwhelmed and wanting to quit, which I know there's a lot of pressure out there from parents. These days. But yes, I did have my dad as my coach, obviously very, very early age when I started touching the ball into my twelves and then into inner ball. Um, but I did have some breaks from him as it, him actually like not always being my actual mm-hmm. coach mm-hmm. coach. But at home, of course, he was always um, a coach and there's someone to rely on. But to be honest, I think he just communicated well. And how he communicated, you could tell that he really was just, just because he cared so much. And him being a volleyball player, it was easy for us to respect Mm -hmm. that. Uh, He was a volleyball player. He was a volleyball coach before we were even around. So it was very easy to respect that. And he really just cared so much about us and how we felt about the sport. And if we wanted to get better, he was there to support. And we just started at a really, really early age. So that's all we really knew, Uh to be honest. He definitely was very, very involved and even into my college and even into now when I'm (laughs) coaching right now, he'll always love to give his opinion, but I know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy to take. And it was an amazing experience for me. I know that it's not for everybody, but my dad really figured it out. I'm trying to talk to him going on a little dad daughter tour mm-hmm. with parents because I really think he figured it out <laughs> of how to do it and to be you know hard on us but in a way that was supportive and made us better so I just advise I guess uh, dad coaches out there to at the end of the day it's about support level mm-hmm. and how you're communicating and I think it's an awesome experience to be coached by your dad that's awesome. Did you have a, did he uh, switch between practice dad and home dad or was it just the same guy the whole time? To be honest, I really can't remember. <laughs> I've had so many volleyball experiences, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I definitely don't. I mean, there are times that he wants to talk about volleyball and all he wants to do is talk about volleyball. And I got to a point where I just say I didn't want to talk about it. But he was, to me, I remember him just being consistent. But he's such a volleyball guy uh-huh. or was that it was like always always volleyball. volleyball. 
yeah. So I got to a point where I at least felt confident enough. If I don't want to talk about it, I just said it. Just be like, all right, I'm done, dad. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I want to hear more about how it felt being in the Olympics. So you were there three times representing the United States. How did that feel? Walk us through what it felt like walking onto the court or walking out representing your country. Of course. Uh, first of all, like I look back and I can't believe that was my life <laughs> mm-hmm. that that actually happened. I tell a lot of people that I didn't, I didn't necessarily have those dreams when I was younger. I just loved the sport and continued to, I guess, go in each step to making that happen for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that could even be possible until I got invited to try out for the team. So I guess it's a little easier when I just kind of went with the flow and worked as hard as I could. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just really can't believe it happened to me. But looking back, what a lot of people don't know is the amount of training that we do in the four years leading up to those actual two weeks. So when we get to those really like the tournament we played in the month before that Mm -hmm. two weeks, because we play in so many different tournaments that are still that high of a level Mm -hmm. and against the same teams over and Mm -hmm. over again, that when you get to the Olympics, how it feels, yes, it's exciting. Opening ceremonies is exciting, but we're representing USA all the time. Um, not only at the Olympics. So once the hype for us gets gone after opening ceremonies and we walk on maybe for our first match on the court, it's really just like game time for us. And I believe that's how it should feel Mm -hmm. for us because we just practiced it so much. But on the fun side of it, opening ceremonies is like completely surreal. You think you're in a dream. I cried all three times. <laughs> um, walking around the village, mm-hmm. just seeing like so many other people from different walks of life with such different lives than us, but with all the same goals, work ethic, all of those types of things is so special. That is one thing that is one of the most special things is like understanding that this person lives a completely different Mm -hmm. life on the whole other side of the world. Yet we have same goals. We have same work ethic. We have the same drive and that's super special. So that's one of the things I often like look back and don't take for granted Mm -hmm. of being just surrounded by an incredible group of people from all over the world for two weeks. So Yeah, it's pretty unreal. I can't believe it (laughs) happened to me. And I just am so thankful for the support around me that kept me going between my family and my friends and uh, my teammates, times I wanted to quit and my body for barely holding up. But really, it's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. I honestly like I kind of like got lost picturing myself <laughs> walking out. Um, I, you described it so well. Um, so thank you for sharing that with me and with everyone listening mm-hmm. to the podcast. Playing overseas, is that, that's a completely different arena. Can you talk about what that was like playing? So you played in Italy. Did you play anywhere else? Yeah, I played in Italy for seven seasons and Turkey for one. And that completely changed my life to be honest with you I now any any college player I run into I tell them if you have an opportunity no matter how much they are paying you to go if they're just paying for your living and your 
food and your flights, do it. It really changed my life. And there are so many opportunities out there that people don't know about. And that's what I want to and try and express in my project as well when I ask these women these questions, because I didn't even know about it growing up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know about the opportunities. Almost every other country but us has an intrigue Mm -hmm. from maybe making a thousand dollars to a month, but they pay for everything to making $20,000 a month. So it is incredible. I learned a new language. Uh, my teammate taught me how to drive stick shift on a hill. Oh boy. <laughs> in, in Italian. She didn't even speak English. Um, <laughs> the friendships that I have with different people from different countries, the support of a different country, it honestly changed my life opened up my eyes to just so many different cultures, the way people live, the way people interact, made me so thankful for some of the things in the United States that are just everyday things for us Mm -hmm. that other people don't have. It was incredible. I would not, if there would have been a league in the United States, I hope that I would have chosen again to go overseas because it really was incredible. It's just a good life Um, experience. Yeah, I, it is. Yeah. I really tell everybody to try it if they have an opportunity. And if they're not volleyball players, I try to get people to travel if they can and have the means to. It really is eye-opening and is an incredible experience. So I loved it. I do have national team teammates that struggled with being away from home. Mm -hmm. That's my experience with it. I was always on a team that was pretty good. I did get paid. Some teams sometimes don't pay their players. There are four stories. I fortunately was in the right teams and Mm -hmm. I had a great experience. I do know that that's not everyone's experience though. Now, I like that you have asked that to the players in the YouTube videos that you have posted. It was so fun to listen to different athletes talk about some experiences. I believe it was at Haley Washington she was talking about locking her car <laughs> in a parking garage not to not to give everything away but I just thought it was such a funny story um, and it's really interesting to get to kind of know these girls and see the person behind the athlete I guess so yeah I just really enjoy hearing your story and um, the other stories that you've shared online as well <laughs> yeah I tell people about this project that really I don't need to step into a gym again to do this project Mm -hmm. because I really am telling the stories of these women, getting to know these women. Yes, it just so happens they play volleyball and I am sending these messages and sharing these stories with the volleyball community, but I really want everyone to get to know them and who they are and feel feel a connection because of something that they really are inside, not just because they play volleyball. So this is really, it's a, it's a project about people, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think it can go, I hope it can translate to other sports. I hope it can translate to young professional women. Just think the stories and the lessons and the different type of education really to anybody. Mm -hmm. So I know that you are, building a community around your passion project what are some long-term goals that you have and what do you really hope that it grows into yes so I have so many ideas Mm -hmm. and uh, right now I'm actually coaching at Pepperdine so there's been 
not a hold on my project, but um, of how much I want to engage with the young athletes. I can't mm-hmm. um, right. just right now, but we've been able to continue with all the content that I've already filmed to continue the project, obviously, but the Corte project wants to go on tour after the Ooh. new year. Okay. Um, I'm going to go out there and go to as many clubs that are willing to have me there on the West coast to start and do a Q and a and introduce the project to people that don't know about it. So I'm going to go on tour, um, still deciding when. So if any clubs want to write me on my website or direct message to the quarter project, I'm going to start scheduling. So any club directors and coaches, I can't wait to take the quarter project on tour. So that will be one of the first things I really want to do to be able to reach more young athletes and tell them mm-hmm. about the project. Also, I would love to, because this does cost money and right now I'm self-funding this project Mm -hmm. I hope to find some funding whether it's through women's sports foundations or different types of foundations that really are invested in the growth of sports in general and women in general and possibly some type of corporate sponsorships that would sponsor different whether it's a podcast here or one of my trips there to go talk to certain people but in general Mm -hmm. my long-term goal is just to continue to make this happen And after this coming Olympics, I really want to bring back the stories of the past Olympians Mm -hmm. and really bring out the history of this sport. And I don't think that like basketball and some of these other bigger Mm -hmm. sports and male dominant sports, they all know the history. Exactly. And like, what is our history and why has this become the largest sport for Mm -hmm. girls in the United States? And I want to dig into all of that as well, as we have a lot of time preparing for the 2024 Olympics. So, so many ideas, uh, so many things I'm going to dive into. I am fortunately going to go to the 2020 Olympics. I have never experienced it as a spectator. Oh, that'll be so fun. Are going. <laughs> so pretty fired up about that. And I hope some things can develop before mm-hmm. that. And I'm also really open to ideas. I On my website, there's a place where you can ask an athlete. I want to hear from people what they want to know and directly go to the players about it. I want this to not just be what I think players and coaches and parents should know. I want to know what you guys want to know. So really interactive. I can't wait to be more interactive, engage more than I can at the moment. And that's just like really exciting for me. Well, I absolutely, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I think I love what you're doing and I'm really excited to see how this grows. I think this is something that the sport needs and we've Everybody, I feel like in the sport has always been talking about, well, someone needs to promote volleyball more and uh, volleyball doesn't get enough coverage and you're actually doing something about it. So I love that. I did put a couple questions up on my Instagram yesterday, asking my followers some questions that I didn't tell them, but I was going to sneak them into the interview here. Awesome. I love Uh, that. Well, I asked them a lot of questions about how and why they watch volleyball do you have any guesses maybe why they watch volleyball Hmm. let's see here I've always been like it's such an exciting sport I think that possibly why they watch it is first of all team sports I think are incredible to watch Mm -hmm. to see 
all the details that go into it to be successful, especially in volleyball from the past to then to the set to the hit, all of Mm -hmm. it, that with when you get to a high level of how strategic it is as well, and then how fast it has to be and how skilled you have to be to make it all happen together, I think is insane, to be honest. It really is. Um, I love how excited I believe that women or even men get after points. There's a celebration. The sport is fast and exciting. And I just think it's enjoyable to watch. That would be my guess. Well, that was definitely a popular answer. So a lot of people said, you know, I don't play anymore, but I feel like I'm there when I get to watch on TV. And I I identify with that too. I I am always jumping up and down (laughs) when I do get to watch. But the number one response that I got was that people, particularly players, they just feel like they learn so much from watching. And so I thought that was interesting um, because I thought, you know, it's more entertainment, but the players really feel like they learn a lot. And then another popular response was that a lot of them aspire to play at a higher level. And so it motivates them in their own play when they're at practice. And so I'm really excited to give them all this information about the Quare project and so they can learn more from the players directly. I love that. Those are amazing answers. And yes, you will find all the answers on the Quare project. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask, so knowing that, that these players are watching and trying to learn from these women, do you feel a lot of pressure? Do you realize how many people are looking up to you as an athlete? I don't think that necessarily is something that goes through our mind. Uh More so now it goes through my mind as I produce this content Mm -hmm. and am particular with what I'm putting out there because at the end of the day, I really am trying to uplift Mm -hmm. um, always in what I'm producing here. It didn't go through my mind often, to be honest, while I was playing. But maybe that was because I had the confidence that I was always working hard Mm -hmm. and trying to be my best. And knowing that I always left it out there on the court. Mm -hmm. So it never necessarily was something that was going through my mind. And I don't, I can only answer that for myself. Mm -hmm. But I do know right now as in what I'm doing as whether I'm coaching here at Pepperdine or doing my project, I am thinking about that. So after the fact of what I'm giving out to the universe, to young women, Mm -hmm. I definitely think about that a lot now. I also asked my Instagram followers, why do they, or why do they not watch more volleyball and what would help them do that? And the biggest response was just that they didn't know how to find it. So Can you share with us, how is it that we can watch professional volleyball? The best way now is flowvolleyball.tv. Flow Volleyball has done a really good job of providing college. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they have high school sports. I'm not aware Mm -hmm. of it. But college, national team, and also professional volleyball during their professional seasons Mm -hmm. is on Flow Volleyball. I do know that it's subscription-based, so you have to pay 
I don't know the exact numbers, but that's definitely where I keep up on my website. I will always have the calendar of the national team and where you can watch it on a full calendar there. So that's how you can keep up with the national team. And that would be my best bet. You'll see some college on ESPN and different local sports channels. I do know that Mm -hmm. for free viewing, but this has definitely been the problem Mm -hmm. of why the sport isn't as visible. I think there are more college games being played on TV these days. And especially now that each network, Pac-10, Big Ten, Pac-12, maybe it's called now, sorry, (laughs) have their own networks. And then I do know a lot of the college teams stream it on their own websites. So if you have a favorite player or favorite college team, I'd say go that route. If you don't want to pay a subscription, if you want it all, Flow Volleyball would be the place to go. Well, and I wanted to let everyone listening know that I signed up for your newsletter a while ago. And something that I absolutely love about your newsletter is that you say, here's when games are coming up. Here's like the date, the time watch through flowvolleyball.tv and you include the link. I still haven't signed up for it yet. I need to do that, but it's something that I plan on doing. I'll include a link if anyone listening wants to go and sign up for that. It is, like you mentioned, a subscription. I believe it's $12.50. It's under $13 a month, which is it's a little expensive, but if you want to watch volleyball, that's something that we've all been talking about. Volleyball needs to be out there. They need to show more volleyball. At the end of the day, it comes down to people who are willing to pay for it and watch it. So if that's something we want to promote, I think myself included, we need to sign up for that, get more involved and actually watch volleyball. If we want to watch volleyball, we got to watch volleyball for it to become more mainstream before it's featured just outside of the Olympics or a select few games from college. I'll see what I can do. Maybe we can get a quarter project discount. Uh, Yeah, I'm not associated with slow volleyball, but I'm really happy with what they're doing and how they've taken the sport under their belt. And hey, maybe I'll try to reach out and see if we can do something special like that and grow the sport. That would be awesome. I do have a couple more questions before I let you go. So again, thank you so much for being here and taking this time. The Get the Pancake community, as I've mentioned before, is mostly coaches. So I was wondering, do you have a message for coaches or parents just regarding supporting their athletes as they grow in the sport? Yeah, at the end of the day, I think what is very important is communication and tone. Um, there's definitely ways of coaching and still being hard on someone wanting the best out of them, but using a tone that is not going to be offensive. I think a lot of people communicate in the wrong ways, which they really mean well, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get out the right, uh, whether it is educating, coaching, motivating, all of that, but sometimes it's just not taken correctly. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also an issue with girls are pretty sensitive. I myself am sensitive. (laughs) So I think it's really just to be aware of the tone and how you're speaking to each other. And it's, you know, not necessarily little girls or adults, but they're very smart. Mm -hmm. So 
treat them as well with respect and support. And I think we all just have to kind of watch our tone and think about it. Like, would you want to be spoken to that way? Mm -hmm. Always kind of bring it back to you or take it back to when you were growing up as a child or an athlete, like how would I have liked to be spoken to, to get the best out of me? Mm -hmm. So I always try to think about that is that when I'm coaching, I really try to treat the current college players, like I would have wanted to be treated. Mm -hmm. And um, I know it's a little different these days. We have to watch out with what we say, but I also don't want to not give them my best and not give them the amount of coaching that I believe they deserve. Mm -hmm. And so I try to give as much coaching as I can. I watch my tone, but I also am hard on them. I want to get more out of them. I know their potential. So I think it's really just a mixture of all of that. Mm -hmm. But what comes into play often is the tone in which we coach. I think that's really important, especially for coaching girls. I haven't coached boys before, but I know with my girls, depending on what the tone is, you see the different reactions. So thank you for highlighting that. What, if anything, is there, is there something that you want to share about your project, about your experience, maybe that we haven't gotten to, and you just want to put that out there so that everyone knows? One thing, um, there's so many things, <laughs> but really this, this part of the world to me, I finally got to a point where I believe that this was the way to give back to the sport that did so much for me. I don't want to coach a ton. I'm coaching right now. I don't see it in my future because if I coach, I really can only touch the lives of say 14 to 16 players that are on my team. Mm -hmm. I want to touch a million lives if I can through these young girls that are playing through parents, through coaches, uh, through peers. And I believe that this project, I can do that. And so I'm very passionate about it. I hope that everyone follows it and continues to support it, to share it. And this really means a lot to me. And I'm very thankful that you are supporting it and had me on the podcast. And that's really it. Well, it's so great to be able to hear the passion in your voice. We can tell when someone is passionate about the sport and about growing it, and it sounds like you are 100% in it for the athletes and for making the sport better. So I'm so pumped to share this podcast episode. Um, I'm going to share it as much as I possibly can. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you. Where can people find you? I know we've mentioned it throughout the podcast, but just Briefly, where can we find you on social media, your website? How can we find of you course, online? Everything is very consistent. Um, www.thecordeproject.com. Instagram is The Corday Project. Twitter is The Corday Project. That's spelled C-U-O-R-E. It links to the YouTube page for all of the videos. So if you're on my website, once you click it, it will obviously link to the YouTube. Mm -hmm. And my personal... Instagram is my middle name, Napella, N-A-P-E-L-A. -E and you can see a little more of my normal life, non-volley life, which I <laughs> love to express there through my love of fashion, art, architecture, food, all of the above. And that's about it. Love it. Yeah, I started following you recently in addition to the Quare Project. And 
you are traveling all over the place. It looks so fun. I love following you. So thank you you so much for being on the podcast. I'll include all the links in the show notes. Um, There's a link to the website on getthepancake.com under coaches resources. Again, highly recommend coaches and parents that you go and check this out, share this with your players. I'm just really excited to see how this takes off. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right, coaches, that's the end of our episode with Lindsay Berg, the creator of the Quare Project. Again, Quare is spelled C-U-O-R-E. That means heart in Italian. So you got a little Italian lesson today as well. One thing I wanted to point out really quick, I went back to flowvolleyball.tv and their subscription is $12.50 a month if you sign up for a year. Otherwise, it's going to be $29.99 a month on a monthly basis. Make sure to follow Lindsay just in case she's able to get us a deal there with flowvolleyball.tv. And if I hear anything, I'll share that information with you as well. But I will be signing up for a subscription before the end of the month. As I said, I think it's important for us. If we do want to support volleyball and we want to see it grow, that does involve money when we're talking about large businesses. So I'm going to put my money in. I'm going to do what I can to help grow the sport. I hope that you consider subscribing as well. It's going to be so much fun watching these women now that we're really getting the chance to learn who they are through Lindsay's project. There were a ton of questions that players and coaches submitted through Get the Pancakes Instagram story when I asked what questions you would have for a professional athlete. I know we barely got to talk about that in this interview, but I am going to send all of your answers to Lindsay just so she has those. And then when she gets the chance to interview athletes in the future, she'll have an idea of what Get the Pancake listeners want to know. I don't think I can say it enough times. I love what she's doing. Subscribe to her YouTube channel. Follow her on Instagram. Let's really just help this thing grow. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And if you have anyone that you want me to reach out to in the future, or if you have topics that you want to have covered on the Get the Pancake podcast, send me a message either through Instagram, Facebook. You can email me as well, just at Whitney at getthepancake.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I'll see you next week right back here on the Get the Pancake podcast.